following is a message from Living Waters Church in Elk River, Minnesota. For more information, visit livingwatersmn.org. I think, you know, doing team teaching together is different, but I think in a lot of ways it's better because we get to have our shared strength. And there is a reality that sometimes it feels like, you know, how do you, how do you, it's like a three-legged race a little bit when you're doing something with one another and there's a rhythm that you need to find. And so we're believing the Lord for that rhythm this morning. We crash right through that rhythm yeah, sometimes. Yeah, we do, yeah. Oh, well. It's all right. It's okay. Um, the other piece is that we really felt like it was important Um, for us to teach together because we had in our hearts to teach around the theme of unity. And so doesn't it seem like we should practice that, even in giving a message? And so we decided we're going to give the whole message with each of us speaking every other word. It's going to take about three hours longer than normal, but honestly... Afterwards, you can play the, the video that's online yes. faster and, and, and it'll just, yeah. Match. We don't know what's going to come out. It's going to be, be really yeah. good. Okay, so we're not exactly going to do that. But it, it is an important thing. It's, it's actually, we believe, a major part of our calling as a couple is to contend for, sorry, to first of all display, but also to contend for unity in marriages, in families, and in the body of Christ. Like, that is just something that has been our heart's cry um, for as long as we've been together. And just like we have purpose as individuals, there is a purpose for our marriages. Your marriage has come together for a unique purpose. One of our unique purposes is to really see unity ushered in to the bride of Christ and a wholeness through that unity. We had a prayer uh, in the prayer room. First of all, I want to say that thank you for worship today. Um, I was overwhelmed. It was, um, I felt like I was getting a download that was bigger than I could possibly hold. And um, I've often told people that I'm on the worship team with on the chances that I get to do it that it takes me about 45 minutes to get into worship. And then, and then I feel like I'm cooking or I'm connected or to the Holy Spirit. I just, the more, more is better. A two-hour worship service to me is like the best. Um, but there was no, uh, there was no prelude. It just happened. I walked in the room, and I just want to thank the worship team for that. But there's a prophetic act that I need to do that I feel was part of what I was hearing from the Lord. In the prayer room, God was telling us that stones were going to be loosened today, like the kinds of stones that aren't stuck in the bottom of your shoe, but that are actually in your shoe, that are troubling you, or like the stones that are in your car. For those of you that are my age, cars used to have hubcaps, and they would have stones that could jingle around, ching 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 and then you'd have to pull over, take off the hubcap, and take the stone out. It's that kind of a stone, but God wants me to walk through the room this way and back this way. You have stones in your shoes that you might know about, and you have stones in your shoes that you don't know about, but God is loosening them today. Some of you have already gotten them loosened. They are obstacles to unity. I don't understand it. I'm just walking through it. I'm listening to Holy Spirit. There are stones that are being loosened, and God is saying specifically, as they are being loosened today, leave them here. They are of no darn good to you anymore. Some of them are pretty. Some of them are agates. 
you just want to put them right back in your pocket, but God's saying, leave them behind right now. So, Father God, I do ask you, as it relates to unity, as it relates to that word just now, I ask you to help us all to leave the stones behind, please, in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, each year at work, but for my family as well, I, um, around December, uh, I ask the Lord for a word for the coming year. And it's a word that I usually share with my bosses. And then I, I try to apply it to the year to the best of my ability. And, and it works. And it's a conversation that I have with the Lord. And I'm sure that a lot of you um, do something similar. And so I'm not, I don't mean to say in, in any way that the word that I got has to be everybody's word. But I think it's something that applies this morning. Because the word that I got, in fact, was unity. And I, I would like to read to you the word that I, I got and uh, aspects of it that I read to my boss and my family. I ask Holy Spirit for a word for 2023, and I'm hearing unity, as in unifying under one roof, or strength in unity. I'm hearing not only a strength that comes from the combining of relationships, but also a need to pursue that strength. In particular, you are to share my culture, exploding all preconceived notions of what your family, workplace, or church will look like. I am, piercing, I am piecing together a network that you were not aware of, that will expand your tent pegs in ways that you had not previously dreamt of. The process is not hard nor exhausting, but it is the injection of new communities that will bring with it an expansion of my kingdom in and outside these four walls. There is a light that you carry that needs to ignite others in the darkest parts of central Minnesota that I will fuel. You need only bring it with you as you move about. And as I prayed, I asked about whether there will be growth. And I hear, division causes decrease. Unity's fruit is limitless increase. I am not presuming economic conditions to be favorable for business or churches or not. But I am hearing that unity will overcome economic decline. So, Father God, I want more than anything, to not be in the way of that. I step outside of uh, the path, and I want to follow it. I want to follow you, Lord God. I say yes to unity. I say yes to what's next. I say yes to growth. I say yes to us being more uh, visible outside these walls, that people will see us, members of this body, and other bodies like us will see us and uh, join with us in unity, uh, to serve and to gather more. There are millions that are looking for your love, God, through us. I just ask that in Jesus' name. Yeah, Lord, we thank you that uh, you have uniquely called and equipped the church to unity that is beyond what the world can create. And so, God, we just ask for the fullness of that, the purity of unity in Christ, Lord, we ask that as we speak this morning, your word would be transformational, not just in our own hearts, but in our region, God, that we would speak and it would release something as this word spoke of. We just want to carry the glory of your unity, and we want to uh, know what that is and what that looks like. So we ask that you'd speak to us in Jesus' name. So the enemy's working overtime. Everybody knows it. So... The next few moments here, we're just going to do a little reviewing. 
what the enemy is doing in our political structure right now, our governments right now, um, you know, there are times when I want to say, well, he's winning. And, um, and that doesn't maybe play well. Um, maybe, it's not, maybe it's not what we want to say out loud, but I see, I see if in the big game of things, in the big match of things, I see the enemy taking a little extra ground and a little extra ground and a little extra ground, uh, certainly in our political structure right now. People who love each other are having trouble getting along um, because of uh, political things going on right now. I see the division in the workplace. We see violence even in the workplace, but we see division in the workplace where people are being called or forced to do certain things in certain businesses that even go against their faith, but they're being told that they're doing it the wrong way and they need to get on board or perhaps even be canceled. We see it in the schools in the same way right now. The divisive nature is something that you couldn't have met. I don't think, I know I couldn't have ever imagined 15 years ago that we would be dealing with some of the issues and questions that we are in our schools right now. And it's not every school, but it's most schools right now are dealing with things and teaching things or struggling with things or trying not to teach things that I never ever imagined we'd be dealing with right now. And I see this as another victory for the enemy because it's a causing a division. And there's a thing about the division, the division, uh, biblically speaking, or, or I should say in a, a word that we'll be sharing a little bit more on a little bit later, when two or more are together, um, he is there. And this division that's happening everywhere is causing us not to be together. And I can't see that as a victory for us. Mm-hmm. You know, I can't, I don't see that as a God victory. I do see that as something else brewing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think one of the things that's important to recognize, um, I am the eternal optimist. Um, so I go, no, he's not winning. That's ridiculous. Uh, but part of it's because I've, I've looked at the story, and I know that this is not new, that this is kind of pretty much the one the one thing the enemy knows to do to strip power is to mess with unity. And one of the first places we see that, and probably one of the first places we can even see that in our own lives, is in marriages. That he, God uniquely made marriages to carry a very powerful unity. And so when the enemy is messing with marriage, he's messing with this image and this power of God that's meant to flow through that union. We have a very unique opportunity in marriage to demonstrate the beauty of who God is, to demonstrate a a picture of who God is. When the Bible talks about, and some of you who were here for the ultimate marriage weekend a couple weekends ago, um, yeah, it was awesome. You know, that whole picture of God making man and woman together in his image that all of his nature is not carried just in man and all of his nature is not carried just in woman, but that together they demonstrate a picture of uh, who God really is, the, the fullness of who he is. And so why wouldn't the enemy want to bring division there, not just in marriage, but even in how we look at one another in those genders, you know, that we would look at each other and have a separation or some kind of animosity towards one another. And so in 2 Corinthians, it talks about not being ignorant of the schemes of the enemy. And in that context, um, 
he's actually talking about right before that he says, so we will forgive all that you have forgiven. Basically, he's saying, we know that it is a scheme of the enemy to keep us separated and to keep us not in oneness together. And it's because this plan for marriage and for family and for church really surrounds unity. And we see the enemy doing everything he can to fracture the thing that reflects the image of God. There's a quote, and I didn't write who said it, but I didn't say it. It says, unity is the drive of the Savior, the delight of the saints, and the dread of Satan. Unity is the dread of Satan because there is something displayed about who God is in unity. And I think sometimes we can feel a little bit like even maybe in our marriage or maybe in our household, we can feel like, well, it's not like we're in opposition to one another. So like Jay Brian and I aren't fighting with one another. We're not in opposition to one another. So is that unity? And I would say, um, no, that's the absence of disunity. <laughs> But that there is something God is calling us into as, as families and as the family of God, not just where we're not opposing one another, but where we're actually stepping into moving forward in unity. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that. But first, a story, a true story. <laughs> um, how many of you it's remember? It's his version of the true story. <laughs> it really happened. First of all, as we get to a part where if in any way, shape, or form my wife doesn't look amazing in the story, I want you to know that we it's reconciled. All true. We reconciled for it yesterday in the marriage class. So, yes. so that's behind us, it's all good, but it's still a good story. It is. How many of you took family vacations when you were kids? Okay. Um, it was it's to this day highlights of my life. And to whatever degree we've been able to take family trips. Uh, now in our, with our family, it's, it is, I love it. I like car rides. I will endure plane rides. I am afraid to fly, but I'll do it. Um, but I love car rides, especially in long trips. When we were kids, we would take a car ride and we would, oh my gosh, my poor parents. So it's a family of seven, five kids in the car, uh, one of them in diapers, I remember, for some of the trips and so on. And we're taking these long trips. We took a six-week vacation to California visiting half the states in the country, yada, yada. In a as, station wagon. In a station wagon. And as an adult, as an adult, I said, hey, mom, that trip, remember that two-week trip we took to California? And she goes, two weeks? It was six weeks, and I still can't get my head around that. Because it was a station wagon with a little thing on the top to carry our luggage in and so on. We would play um, the license plate game. We would play the animal game. We would play the billboard game, you know, whatever it was. Some states' billboards were illegal, so then those were... Those were tough, tough states to drive through. But the seven of us were having the exact same experience. It was unavoidable. Oh, sure, one of our kids could have been reading a book. That's not the family I grew up in. I have relatives that are book readers and um, scholars and geniuses, but our family was more, um, let's sing songs, let's play this, let's do whatever. We did a lot of that. But that's what we did. It was a shared family experience. Fast forward to our trip in Florida this past week, which um, was a blessing. We're taking this drive. I think we are going from, um, I don't even remember, it's not important. It was a long drive inside the car. And I get in the car, 
And I start talking, and Renee is on her phone emailing. And it's business, by the way. It's work. It's some of you, actually, in this room right now, we're contacting her. And she was just, I'm okay with that. And she was, and she was dutifully answering, and when can we get together, blah, 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 and all that stuff. So she's doing that. And then because she's holding her phone in her hand, well, you know, things pop up. What do you do? Things just happen. And oh, look at that cat. It's so cute. And then one thing leads to another. And leads, by the way, it's true. Even cat videos, Renee will, will sometimes stop by on. So she's doing that. But it's not just Renee. And by the way, if she were driving, it would be me doing the same thing. But behind me is Olivia. And she's occasionally sleeping, occasionally on her, on her electronic device. And then behind Renee is Josiah also on his electronic device. And the four of us are driving through, we don't normally drive through Florida, although the last few years it seems like we're there all the time. Everybody's moving to Florida. Everybody's moving to Florida. But as we're driving along, I'm the only guy in the car. I felt desperately alone. Everybody's doing something different. And if I turn on the radio, because by the way, it's a good idea to stay awake while you're driving. I'm trying to engage. I will put on talk radio not because it's going to make me all warm and fuzzy on the inside, but because it's going to probably rile me and I'm not going to drive past my exit <laughs> or something. And, and it's, I turn it on, three people in the car go, and so I turn it off. Okay, I, I guess I can't. So now I'm a prisoner. I'm a, I'm a prisoner. My job, and did I mention we've reconciled for this? My job is to be the chauffeur and to stare at this line going right in front of me here, just this yellow line. And that's it. I see the enemy's hand in this. Anybody else? I know this isn't a news flash. I know we're all seeing this, but you just have to know it didn't used to be this way. And I know that I know that every single generation loses something as we move on to the next one. I get that. I know there's a lot of things we gain, but I would, I would be here to tell you that mostly it's comfort. Every generation, we drop something and we gain comfort, but we lose something relational. And it was never God's intention for that to be the case. It was God's intention for us to join together because when we are together, he's there too. So what's happening in the car now? Or what's happening in the house? Or what's happening on whatever it is that you do in your worlds? If you are not all doing join things together as often as you used to, where is Jesus in all that? I can tell you he's at your door knocking. He wants to come in. He wants to be in there. But I see this as such an amazing scheme of the enemy to create division that creates that disunity that means that when two or more together, I will be there. I mean, that's the thing, isn't it? Matthew 18, 19, and 20 says, again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they will ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among you. I would, I would suggest that that's being undone right now. Something that I heard as we were preparing for this is that it's not just a prayer that we do together that brings Jesus there, that it's a share that we're supposed to be doing. We're not just getting together to pray that we're supposed to be sharing things all the time and Jesus is with us then in that experience all the time. It's a shared life experience. In Psalm 133, 
1 through 3. It says, How good and how pleasant it is when brethren dwell together in unity. It's like the precious oil upon the head, coming down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard, coming down upon the edge of his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon coming down upon the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord commanded the blessing of life forever. If unity is life forever, then what's disunity? Yeah, and I think that one of the important pieces that it's not just about prayer, it's about shared, those shared experiences. Uh, Pastor Dave taught last week on the glory of community and just that shared aspect of, of coming together. And I think one of the things that we are coming into more and more is recognizing that this, this unity of coming together, we've, we talk about sometimes how marriage is um, coming together and becoming one flesh and then deciding whose life you're going to live for the next 30 years. And there is something about that, even as it relates to our shared unity in the body of Christ. It's kind of like, well, who gets to be right? Who's, whose way gets to lead the way? Who gets to, who gets to say how loud worship's going to be? Who gets to say how long we're going to do this or when we're going to do this? Who gets to say what our small group's going to look like? Who gets to? And there's this, this call that God has made to us. It's not just unity for whatever purpose we decide. We already know that there, God, God does not remove the power of unity even from things he is not blessing. Like, like the Tower of Babel, for example. The power of unity was something that he put in order, and so we can unify around things that aren't even his plan, and there will be power in that. That's some of what we see going on in the world right now. And so there can be this part of us that goes, yes, we need to have unity with all people, but we can't be unified in a purpose that is outside what God is doing. We can't be unified in that. And so even as it relates to us in our marriage, it's kind of, well, whose life are we going to live? Who gets to, who, gets to, um, who gets to submit? There's a good one. It's been a lot of fun. It's been so much fun. <laughs> and, and we're walking through in this kind of new season of our life. What does this look, look like? And we've talked at the marriage weekend um, when the Colossians were here, and we've talked other times about this call that God gives to us as the body of Christ to submit to one another. And even this morning, as the Lord was speaking to me about this submission piece, I feel like, again, we sometimes separate these verses where it talks about submit to one another, and then the next verse says, wives, submit to your husbands as unto, unto Christ. This morning, as we were singing about him being worthy. And I felt like he said, can we stop worrying about who we're submitting to and can we just all submit to Christ? Like, I'm as a, as a wife and even as, as a, a leader within the church, I'm going, Lord, what does this look like? What do you want this to look like? Just submit to Christ. I think uh, John Clausen said it's being subject to the mission that's what unity is. We are subject together to the mission 
that Jesus gave us. And what's amazing for that is that, by the way, that means there are some things we are not going to join in unity with. We cannot think that we can go into the world and try to create unity around a mission that is not his mission. We have to come into subjection to his mission, and unity will flow through that. There was such a freedom for me to know that in my submission to Jesus, I will be submitted to you, and I'll be submitted to him. And I'll be submit, we'll be submitted to one another as we submit to Jesus. Because it's a shared, it's a, a being under the same mission. And so that's what we've been walking in. That's what we've been walking out. We're just going to both submit ourselves to Jesus. As a, as a married couple, if you're wrestling through this thing of unity, I encourage you, come into a new submission to Jesus. It works a lot of things out. <laughs> So not only can we recognize this, this being unified under that mission, but what we need to also recognize, this unity that God wants to pour his glory through has already been provided for us. I have felt for years, because the Lord's put a calling on our life for unity. So, you know, we do teach on, com on communication. We do teach on, you know, forgiveness and reconciliation and, and because we want unity to come. But it comes by his spirit. I don't have to create unity in my marriage or in the body of Christ. In the word in Galatians, we have the kids coming back in because we're about to take communion. In Galatians chapter 3, verse 26, it says, For all are sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you were baptized into Christ, having clothed yourselves in Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek nor slave nor free nor male nor female. For all are one in Christ Jesus. Not all, if you work hard enough and learn all the communication tools, will become one. But we have been made one in Christ Jesus. We have been made one, and this is one of the places where we get to go from glory to glory. Our unity isn't perfect yet, but this is a place where we get to go from glory to glory, knowing that the provision has already been made through Christ Jesus. In John 17, Jesus prayed the, the prayer that the glory you've shared with me, I share with them so that they may be one. The glory of God flowing through us, the glory that we're asking him to show us, actually carries in it the power for oneness, the power for unity. So if we want to have unity in the body of Christ, all we need to do is come under the glory of God, step into the submission to him. Coming up in March, we're going to have an opportunity, um, we're going to be focusing on wholeheartedness, that we would hold nothing back from God. We're going to have a time of prayer and fasting during that time. Just giving you a heads up so you can start thinking about that. Think attendance is going to stay up? Yeah, may, take that off the tape, <laughs> maybe. But, but we're going to have an opportunity because I believe that there is a wholehearted submission that he's calling us to that is going to allow these, these outputs of his glory, one of them being oneness, 
And so I want to encourage you that don't try to do by the flesh what God intends to do by the Spirit. He intends to bring oneness by the Spirit. I am really good at coming up with really good ways to do in my own strength what he wants to do by the Spirit. And oneness is something that he does by the Spirit. So as we take communion today together, I want to take it a little bit differently. A lot of times our our receiving of communion is very individual. It's very much about the covenant that Jesus is, is making with me. And that's good. He did make a covenant with you, and you need to receive that for yourself. But the reality is he wasn't inviting just one person into covenant. At one point, he says, take, drink, all of you. There's this place where he was inviting us into covenant. You know, the bride of Christ is not just me standing there. Sometimes I get that that sense or that connection of he sees me as, as the bride and he loves me, but the bride of Christ is us responding to the covenant of Jesus. And so this morning as we take communion, we're going to take it as an us, and we're going to realize that our stepping into and receiving what Jesus did is what allows us to step into the oneness that he's called us to in our marriages, in our families, in, our, in the body of Christ. Just before we gather, and we are going to gather in a different way for communion, one of the interesting things about, well, let's start with the word company. The word company um, has something to do with uh, co or together or, or several, and then pan, which is bread. Uh, so it's, it's basically eating together. And it's kind of interesting when you're having company over, you're eating together. But it's also, it has roots in how we deal with battles or how we deal with negotiations at the end of a battle. And I'm not for one minute suggesting that we're in a battle inside with each other here. But when we are gathering together and we're eating, when we put bread in one hand and a wine goblet perhaps in the other hand, we don't have weapons in our hands. And this is how um, battles uh, end. And this is how victory is had. And sometimes it's not about who's the strongest, but it has more to do with coming together, dropping your weapons, and, and feeding one another. And looking, like as we're going to do in this room, we're going to be in a circle here. We're going to be looking across at each other, facing each other, instead of just facing a particular uh, direction. There's unity in looking in the same way, but there's this different kind of unity in looking at each other. But when we are breaking bread together and we are uh, enjoying that together as it relates to, to wars and things like that, wars have ended because people had difficulty fighting people that they were serving. They had difficulty fighting people that they were nurturing. You, you don't want to destroy something that you're building up. It's true in marriage. It's true in here. It's true in the workplace. It's true in the world. Thank you for listening to this week's message. To learn more about us, please visit livingwatersmn.org.